Where you sent me packing down Green River Valley I knew that if you couldn't then No one would have Lost myself drinking with those stray dogs in the attics to the whiskey Welcome to Mile High Stash, uh, the podcast where guests choose five albums they'd want if stranded in a Colorado cabin during a zombie apocalypse. Right now, there's a lot of snow in Boulder, like a lot. My car got stuck last night at a light and had to turn around to go downhill. Um, And it's a very exciting Friday night here. Uh, My kid is hosting three girls for a sleepover. So if you hear any loud sounds in the background, it's not zombies, actually. It's it's just preteens. Um, on this episode, we have a very talented, psychedelic, creative, young Denver artist named Lexi Baker, who goes by Psychedelicious and puts a kind of a sexy twist on 60s psychedelic art. Um, it was great to talk with her, um, especially because she's the first guest we've had whose uh, focus is not music, and we got a whole new perspective on this notion of five albums and why you would choose them. Um, I also wanted to tell those of you who follow my writing to look out for an annual piece that I do at the end of every year for Boulder Weekly about the best music books of the year. It's it's good for uh, uh, gift ideas, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or Festivus or um, a pagan ceremony with the Krampus. I, I don't know, whatever whatever you celebrate. But uh, there are so many good books this year. Um, uh, uh, the Patti Smith book and, uh, and a lot of others like uh, Bob Dylan's philosophy of modern music, which is, I mean, just reading something that that Bob Dylan wrote is wild in itself, you know, but it's fucking, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to read Bob Dylan's thoughts on other musicians. You know, it's not, uh, just him talking about his own life. He really goes off in, in a, a creative way, uh, that is sometimes intense too, uh, and funny and, Anyway, just getting inside Bob Dylan's head is wild. Um, anyway, let's talk with Lexi. And uh, thanks for listening to Mile High Stash. It's definitely, definitely true. More true than I knew that if you follow Mile High Stash or any other podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast or whatever and leave a review or even just a rating, it really helps out. Uh, thanks for listening. Tonight, we have uh, Lexi Baker, a fabulous Denver artist. And Lexi is our first, um, not only our first non-musician guest, but our first outside of Boulder guest. Everyone else has either walked over or, you know, just been really close. Um, I wanted to say... um, the premise of this show is essentially that uh, you got to imagine yourself being stranded in a zombie apocalypse. Um, I never say the zombie apocalypse because who knows, there could be like numerous. And all you would have is food and water and a crank powered Victrola. And it seems like as an artist, you're kind of used to spending time alone anyway, right? Yeah, I'm used to zombie apocalypse. As an artist, so it's you, fine. You, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, you would miss your your husband, and <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be really, really lonely. I'm like maybe one of the most personable people on the planet. Like, love and just thrive being around people. But I'm still excited about this opportunity because somehow I ended up with my five favorite albums. Yeah, and I'm not truly alone. <laughs> so take me back. I, I want to know um, about uh, little Lexi, where you grew yeah. up, all that. 
Oh, little Lexi, little farmland girl in Kansas. You know, Kansas is not as farmland as everyone imagines. I actually grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, where my three other siblings were also born. And my mother is from Scotland. My dad is also a Kansas man, and they met in Washington, D.C., but we ultimately ended up in Lawrence because it's a very liberal town. Mm. It was the bluest part of Kansas growing up, but now Kansas has flipped, which is a beautiful thing to mm. see in my lifetime. And um, my mom, you know, kind of ultimately decided she would go to Kansas after growing up in Scotland, and her main goal was to raise four children. She was just so excited about it. It's all she wanted to do in life, and so we had a pretty good upbringing, and um, Lawrence itself was very music and art-oriented, and my parents could see a creative spark in me from the beginning, and so they they harnessed that and put me in a lot of creative classes, and um, then I just got to figure out who I was at an earlier age than most people do, and I knew my pathway pretty early on, and surprise, I actually was a musician. Um, I guess once a musician, always a musician. I'm what not did sure you play? how that works. Um, I was a singer. I still am a singer. And I forced myself to learn the guitar so I could write songs. Wow. And so I have written some songs. <laughs> but it's been a long time since that's been my main focus. Um, as a creative, it's hard for me to have like multiple creative avenues going on at once and being mm. able to put the focus into each one that I want to. Um, and so right now, my art and my business, Psychodelicious, is my main focus. And then my like logical focus is studying a couple languages. I'm studying Italian and Spanish every wow. night. So <laughs> Molto bene. Yeah. Grazie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can't uh, find the time to play guitar. And honestly, the times I play guitar in my life are like the most tumultuous, like when I'm experiencing intensities in relationships and having highs and lows. Um, I'm mostly like a highs person, but when I'm in my lows, that's when I write my music and it's all about like sappy love and pain. And um, I could definitely play a song for you after this. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we could focus on my, my uh, creative art endeavors. Well, I'm remembering now that that you saw us play at um, Alamo Draft House years ago and then made friends with Jeb. Yeah. That's... Yeah, and then you made music with him at his, at his yeah, house, Yeah, I hung right? out at Jeb Bo's cabin. Yeah. Um, the violinist who plays with Gregory Allen Isaacoff. Mm -hmm. And um, I had written a few songs that summer into winter, and he actually like helped me record a few of them while yeah. laying down some violin tracks. Had I played those for you? Yeah. I heard them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but not through you. Oh, yeah. wow, yeah, that's even more yeah. exciting. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> They're really yeah. weird. They kind of sound like ethereal and alien-like. Yeah. But. So did you have a point where like you, you either were going to go for music or art and you, and you chose art? Um, I've always chosen art so music has been like just an extension mm. of my storytelling uh, art for me is uh, like it is for a writer you know it's a way for me to journal my experiences um, but visually instead of just through words and um, songwriting is like the word pathway for telling my stories and it, I guess it's felt like I don't know if it has to do with it's more lucrative but I've been able to turn um, drawing into my career path whereas it didn't seem as likely for singing because I hadn't put as much focus in, into that throughout my life yeah. so it's it was just more likely to succeed for me to focus on illustration so you grew up in, in Lawrence, the longtime home of William Burroughs. Yeah. Yeah. And then you... I never met him. You never met him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people would just show up at his house a lot. I went on historical walks and stuff. Yeah. 
And uh, you went to high school in, in Lawrence? Yeah, I went to Free State High School, which was the newer high school when I started there um, because Kansas was a free state. So I, it feels kind of cool to have got to go to a school that had that um, iconic feeling to it. Um, it was just the beginnings, though. I think Lawrence has expanded and become a better place to live every year and it's awesome because my parents still live there and I get to go back and visit I'm going back in a week and um you know my whole family we were known as the Schmidt heads because my maiden name is Schmidt oh and um it was the four of us and we just wreaked havoc on the town (laughs) and because we grew up there and all like started going to college at KU the University of Kansas the Jayhawks um we just knew everybody in town and um we definitely like discovered our wild sides as we started our college endeavors there, and so everyone just kind of knew us as the crazy Schmitz, the Schmidt heads. So tell me about ending up in Colorado. So I, I realized I wanted to get my major in a combination degree, and it, I couldn't find any schools that offered that. I was trying to double major at KU in graphic design and business. And so I was, like, taking 21 to 22 credits a semester. And in high school, I I was, like, getting amazing grades and um, was on top of the world and thought I was, like, the best student in the world. So I was super confident going into college. And then um, double majoring, I just kind of crashed and burned. Like, I still got good grades, but definitely got my first D. And that was like, oh, (laughs) I can't do this. I need to find something that's a little more art-focused, but has the business balance. So I found an art business degree at Fort Lewis College. And I was like, damn, this is the mountains. I've seen some incredible magazines with women rock climbers on them. And I want to be them. I want to be in the mountains. I want to see what it's like to spread my wings and be away from my family. And I had to write a letter to my mom that explained, like, you left Scotland when you were 19 years old to explore your life and you were completely on your own because they were both pretty resistant to me leaving probably mostly because tuition prices which is understandable but um we ended up figuring it out and um she was like yeah I guess you're right like (laughs) I can't say no so I was the first to fly the coop and um best years of my life and you met your husband. And they just keep getting better. It's awesome. And you met your husband there, yeah, too. Yeah, I met him there yeah. at a pizza shop. I walked in. He was throwing some dough. And I looked over, and I was like, damn, that man is fine. Like, you know, when you're in college, it's like a skill like throwing pizza dough just seems really hot to you. And that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that. That was like the skill I was seeking, I think. That and was then it. <laughs> we backpacked the Colorado Mountain Trail together, which was a 33-day backpacking trip. And... Um, once we did that, we had been dating like four months while we were on the trail. And I realized like, that's how, you know, if it's a make or break situation, like he carried me through that, not literally, but like, you know, he waited at the top of the switchbacks while I was like having asthma attacks and stuff. Mm. (laughs) I'm just like a little asthmatic Kansas girl, but, um, I did it and it was probably one of the biggest accomplishments of my life like my dad was just in awe because he was a boy scout master and I always tried to be a part of the boy scouts growing up I was definitely a tomboy and wanted to like do all these outdoor things and that it just wasn't as possible for girls to do that in the 90s but um, my dad tried to involve me in as many boy scout activities as I could like the pinewood derby but they wouldn't let me actually enter into the rating system and stuff but I still built cars and yeah um, went to a lot of the meetings but when I did this he was like wow my daughter like is more badass than my sons who are eagle scouts <laughs> where in Scotland is your mom from she's from Cambuslang, Scotland what it's part right is? outside of Glasgow I've been to Glasgow it's a bro brick moonlit neck to neck for the fuck's sake <laughs> yeah yeah I've been to Glasgow and Edinburgh and then the Isles but I, um nice nowhere in between well, it's a beautiful place, and I've been six times in my life, and I can't wait to go back. Um, Jeff, my partner's never been. What? Yeah, it's like I have this whole secret life. He has no idea. Like, it's all my family that lives there. I barely yeah. have any family that lives in the U.S., so 
it's just this whole like component to me that I'm just like saving for yeah. him. And we've been together for 15 years. So. <laughs> you gotta go. Yeah. I want to blow his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's pause in this uh, time in your uh, life story. Yeah. And and ask um, if you were stranded in a cabin in, in Colorado. You can probably envision like what part. Um, of Colorado, maybe you'd be in. Um, although if you were escaping, maybe you couldn't choose really. You just like yeah. first place. Um, what is the first vinyl album you take with you? All right. Well, I've been thinking about this since we talked a few days ago, and um, I wasn't sure if I like should order them by importance, but it's up to you. I kind of did. Um, so I'm starting with most important, but they all, they all kind of equal out in different ways, I think. But um, So I'm a huge Tame Impala fan. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Parker is like the producer of everything in this band, and he is just like a musical genius to me. So um, for a long time, I've been a huge fan, and it was really hard to narrow down what album I would choose, but Currents... Um, is what I went with, and mostly because it has the largest conglomerate of tracks that I'm into. Um, so the I also kind of, being an artist, I, I chose albums partially off of their album artwork, too, which is... You were the first person to <laughs> say that, and, and that really opened my mind. And it made me think, um, no one's asked me my choices, that's not part of the show, but oh. my uh, one thing that I would bring is probably Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, and not just the music, but I have the original. I could show you right here. Yeah. I got the original. Definitely show me that later. And it comes with two full-size posters and then a yeah. bunch of stickers. And so, yeah, you could hang that On in your, your cabin, and then it would help out. Cabin wall just to lift your spirits. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like A lot of the art on that the albums I chose also reflects like my creative personality and my style of artwork too. But, um, on the Currents album, it's like kind of this purple and black psychedelic wave, um, which I think reflects the word Currents. It's like a wavy line that almost shows the causality of your actions as you pummel through life. There's like a, a silver marble pummeling through the lines on the front. And so it just feels like an action piece. But um, some of my favorite tracks on there are Nong, Because I'm a Man, Eventually, Let It Happen, and The Less I Know, The Better, which a few of those are some of the hits for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard to choose between Currents and Slow Rush because that's kind of Slow Rush is, is one of the newer albums, which, you know, usually like the first album of a musician just is the most stunning because they've been creating those pieces their whole life and then all of a sudden they put them out and then there's all this pressure for them to create something mm. next and so a lot of the times it is the first album but um, I'm t- continually impressed by what Kevin Parker puts out but yeah. I definitely want his voice in the room during the apocalypse it's a kind of a heart-wrenching album to me um, but I also have seen his performances live a few times so I can connect like the emotional and the highly visual experiences that I've had at his shows. And um, I think it would be like transporting, take me away, reminiscent of um, some excitable times in my life when I need it most when the zombies are outside the door. When did you start seeing art in, in that way? I mean, the way that you just talked about it, suggest that I know you studied art in college but did you have a time even before that when you would look at a piece and really see the details in it and the meaning in it in a way that maybe other people didn't well I think um I had some pretty cool art influences super early in my life and um but I I guess it wasn't until you know, I started seeing myself as a complete individual. And I, I learned, you know, that my parents were just human beings, and that we were all just 
on this pathway trying to figure out what it means to live life and that nobody really had it figured out. And um, I was able to kind of separate myself as this entity just floating around figuring things out and realizing that I was all-encompassing of my experiences in life and that's what made me. And I really wanted to translate my experiences into artwork and it didn't take me long to figure out that illustration was going to be the best method for that and so I just began creating my experiences with other humans or my travels just things that felt heightened or experiences that I wanted to see in the world like just things that I dreamed up that I, I wish that were my life or that I wish that I could experience. Like I do a lot of existential alien artwork and mm -hmm. I just feel connected to the cosmos in that way. And um, so that's also part of the journey, but like creating artwork that's relatable to people and getting to see their reactions to it is when the kind of the bell went off like, oh my God, these people like really feel deeply what I've drawn so much that they want to hang it on their wall forever however long or gift it to someone they care about because they think that person's going to relate to the story as well I must have like done a good job at putting this thought out in a way that these other people see it too and mm -hmm. and that's not just the only thing you know I do it for myself to get it out of my body out of my brain and I feel like this little sigh of relief when a piece of artwork comes out of my hand and is complete it's like it's like I have a little party for the next couple of days in my head, like I did it. <laughs> That's how you know you're a real artist, I think, whether you're a poet or, or a musician or a painter or whatever, is that you're making art because you feel like you physically have to. You have to get it out. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's you, a tumultuous thing, but like beautiful and it's complete. I really want to know what your process is because I was thinking, um, you saw me play on Saturday night. Yeah. Awesome show. Um, thank Lots you. Of dancing, flipping around the dance floor. <laughs> and <laughs> when I'm making art, if you want to call it art, and I'm hitting things, the audience is there. <laughs> so I don't even have to envision them and I can kind of see whether I'm doing a good job or not. Yeah. And so what's it like for you well, when yeah, you're just an alone? Question. Making something amazing but not knowing if you just Anyone imagine the seen. audience there and mm -hmm. imagine them watching you. Yeah. <laughs> I think I create for specific people in mind. I'm like, if this person sees this, I want them to know that I'm thinking of them or to know that, like, I put forth this time and energy in my life to create something that had to do with an experience I had with them. And so I know it's going to be impactful if and when they see it, even if they don't see it, like... If I had this experience, someone else somewhere did too. It's pretty much the human experience. We all line up in certain ways, and we think that our tumultuous pain and sorrows are not, that no one else is feeling that, but really everybody else is feeling it. Yeah. Almost in the exact same way. So I guess I just have gotten to the point where I, I know that someone's going to love it. Um, and I don't, I mean, I kind of create for an audience, but it, it just happens to, that my target market just like naturally comes to me because it's people that are probably in my age range that like psychedelic things mm -hmm. and love like a retro aesthetic and love the goddess archetype and female empowerment bound and nature inspired and cosmic enthusiasts like this is kind of the the market that i am creating for because they're all my my pieces of my life you've my done life. a really really good job at kind of diversifying um the kind of things people can buy from you yeah it's not just oh buy this framed piece of art you can get nfts from lexi baker yeah that's been a really interesting realm i've created three nft projects in the last couple of years ever since it kind of became more of a thing i mean nfts have been around for like six years um but they were repopularized two years ago and i created um a collection called fungi queendom 
which was all different mushroom queens in different formats. And if you don't know much about NFT art, it's it's a really, like we could do a whole podcast mm-hmm. on it, but just the most concise couple sentences. It's generative art, so I'm creating different layers of pieces that can be combined into thousands of different combinations to create as many pieces as you want, really. Mathematically, you can do thousands and thousands, but you want to limit the collection so that it's more valuable. Um, And so the first collection release was really successful and fun, and I made a a lot of connections to other people in the NFT space who were looking for artists after that collection, and I created a few more. Um, One is the Grumbies collection, and one is... Um, the for the Women's National Suffrage Monument Movement. Oh, wow. And this one should be really cool when it does release, but we're just waiting for an uptick in the market for that to happen. Yeah. But you can find out more about that if you pop onto my Instagram. So you have various Instagrams. So which yeah. ins- which, which Instagram is the one? Please just go to the psychedelicious.lex. Okay. If you know how to spell psychedelic, just combine it with delicious as soon as you hit the D and then period lex. And what are the various things people can buy? Yeah, from you? prints and stickers. Just um, send me a message on there, a little DM, and I'll show you what's available. I don't have an online shop, which is my downfall. Do you also I do commissions? Products. I do commissions. I'm pickier about it now. I charge yeah. more now. I, I've figured out my worth in the last couple of years. Um, I also learned how to say no to projects that weren't necessarily in my style aesthetic. And I'm, I lean heavily toward illustration commissions and not just like graphic design stuff. Yeah. So Fort Lewis. Yeah. And then what? Fort Lewis. And then I started working as a zipline tour guide because my partner graduated with an adventure education degree from Fort Lewis, which he was the first of his class to graduate with that degree. It was a new one and a really unique one. And he had to fulfill an internship. So he started working for a zipline course in North Carolina. And I was like, I'll follow him out there and see what this is about. I really like this dude. And, um, is I it went Asheville? to Asheville, North mm-hmm. Carolina, and started working for the zipline course as well and became a tour guide. And um, then we followed them to California when they opened a new business out there. And um, we gave some celebs tours because we were close to Los Angeles. You remember the show Glee? It's like that really nerdy mm-hmm. like choir yeah. <laughs> show. I gave the Glee cast a tour. The whole cast? It was really funny. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because I was kind of one of the more enthusiastic tour guides and so mm-hmm. they would throw me on all like the weird celeb tours and yeah. stuff. So it was pretty funny. So um, and then after that, Portland, Oregon, beautiful experience, a little too rainy to stay there. After five years, we up and left and came to Denver. I've been here five years, and I started Psychedelicious right as I moved here, and it's taken off because I've put in my every ounce of my heart into it, and um, it's doing just as well as I hope it to be doing at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were just showing us the draft of this year's um moon calendar yeah my moon calendar is a hit each year i try and release it in at the end of november and december so people can get it as um new year's gifts christmas gifts and new year's gifts um so i'm finishing up that design tonight and submitting it for print tomorrow wow (laughs) yay (laughs) i mean um the type of moon i guess was not something i really ever thought of Unless I was walking down the street and saw, oh, yeah, look at that moon tonight. And That's until great. I had yeah. your moon calendar on my wall, and and now, you know, I say I to my so kid, oh, look what's coming connected up. Connected to the moon and its phases, and I have a group of moon goddesses here, as you know, in mm-hmm. Denver that we gather for the full moon and we celebrate the full moon and we go on hikes and. Um, we drink wine and we do tarot together and we just connect and talk about yeah. our intentions for the month. And You dress like Stevie Nicks. Exactly. And it's mm-hmm. like one of the most beautiful things that I've been a part of and helped to create because um, I think women just need that type of gathering together. And it's it, it's been wild to see how much synchronicities we have to the moon. Yeah. Scientifically and woo-woo. <laughs> All of the above. Have you thought of doing a moon calendar calendar i mean like a 12 month (laughs) thing 
No, because those annoy me personally. <laughs> I just like that one sheet that's out there. Yeah, that's stays true. out there, you know? <laughs> what happens often at my office is, is I'll have a 12-month calendar and forget to you Even know to turn it for like it. four months yeah so. i think people just use their phones now so i feel like just that one illustrated page that stays on the wall the whole year it is beneficial to people so far it's worked out good yeah well the moon is one of the only things that will keep you company in this cabin that's true <laughs> <laughs> so what's your second choice yeah the moon is actually almost a theme in a lot of the album cover artwork mm. that i have um so the next album I am choosing to bring with me to the apocalypse is FKJ, which stands for French Kiwi Juice. And if you're not familiar with this incredible musician, um, this is Vincent, who currently lives in Bali, but I think he's from somewhere in the U.S. I can't remember what state. Um, but his, his mother is, his father is French and his mother is a Kiwi or it's the other way around. And so mm. French Kiwi juice, like he is the juice of his mother and father together. Sexy. So that's why he yeah. chose that name. So everyone just says FKJ. But the album I chose is Yang Lang. And on the cover, it's this beautiful, almost watercolored image of him silhouetted sitting on his piano in the ocean, but in the sand, um, to a point that you can see like a perfect reflection of his piano and himself underneath. Oh, wow. That's a great cover. So this album, um, I actually have this one on vinyl and, um, my sister got it for me a few years back and it, when I put it on, it just like the opening song just blew my mind. It is so beautiful. It's, it's very instrumentally heavy versus some of his other albums. He's an incredible pianist, writes all his own music and produces it all and loops a lot of stuff while he's on stage. So he's like hopping from one instrument to the other and also saxophone. So it's the kind of this like sexy, sultry combination of both of those throughout the album. Um, and it has like a tropical ethereal feel to it as well, which I think would also be transporting and beneficial when you're alone in an apocalypse to have like that soothing piano component, you know? Mm -hmm. I went from like psychedelic rock to also having like a soothing. I, I tried to like plan out my album so that it felt well-rounded um, in terms of moods. So you can choose based on your mood. Um, so that's why I chose Yangling. One of my guests is a jazz musician and, and he, uh, he chose all jazz. I was, I guess I wasn't surprised by that, but I was also shocked by that. Like you would I want listened. some things yeah. that were, that were a little different, but everybody's different. He, you, know? you could tell he loved jazz Yeah. to the core. Yeah. And it made me love jazz listening to him talk yeah. about loving jazz. <laughs> um, my music tastes are all over the place. And I think when you are an instrumentalist, it makes sense for you to focus in on certain categories more so. Um, I'm more of like a lyricist and a vocalist. And so I think that's why my categorical interests stretch far and wide. Um, some people would describe... I'm definitely a music enthusiast, which is obvious to you probably, mm -hmm. but um, people describe my music taste as like being all over the place, kind of like one hit wonder in a sense too. Like I love pulling like one incredible song from every musician that exists in the world and creating the most divine playlist and ordering everything in a way that makes sense and then gifting it to people for their birthdays. It's like kind of feels like my, my superpower that I wish I could be paid for. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to ask my friends to give me money but I just wish like somehow I could additionally benefit I mean I, I do benefit psychologically like it's one of my favorite creative journeys is creating playlists for people based on what I think their interests are or help them to discover new things I think they would love yeah <laughs> so uh, you said earlier that you had a, a lot of artistic influences um, when you were growing up but what you said was all experiential so were there actual artists, were there, you know, specific artists yeah, that definitely. hit you? Yeah, um, So Alexander Calder is like a, I think he's like a 60s artist. He created these um, 
wasn't even really psychedelic. It was all like primary color mobiles. And I think I liked him first because my aunt was like, he has the same name as you. My full name's Alexandria. She's like, that's how you remember him when I point to his artwork. Don't forget, he has the same name as you when I ask you what this artist's name is. Um, and so I kind of like had that ingrained in me. And then I took this circus class as um, a young artist, maybe age like nine or ten, where Alexander Calder also more secretively was known for creating these like really weird circus videos and he would make all these insane animals out of papier-mâché and then he would create ways that he could like make them move um, and animate them almost puppetry but like more your hands are in the scene moving them around and it was just really uh, influential as a child to see that kind of fun puppetry like I was a hardcore puppet fan as a kid like putting on puppet shows all the time creating my own out of paper I would just like cut out tiny little people and refrigerators and make little scenes and put on performances for my parents so it was just like what the hell is going on and um and so I think all those little things kind of led me to where I am my dad is actually a puppeteer he makes his own puppets he has hundreds of puppets wow <laughs> he kind of keeps it more low-key he does it for himself mostly yeah. but I want he makes stories about like climate change and like the benefits of um, mushrooms and mycelium on our planet, which is just really cool. So, I've, where can we look him up? You can look him up on Puppets for Climate Change. Puppets for Climate Change dot <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's incredible. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, he's really into uh, creating awareness for climate change as well. And that's a whole nother story, but yeah. that's pretty awesome. Is your mother an artist as well? She is. Um, so when I go back to Kansas, her and I are putting on what's called the Bazaar Bazaar. And it's an event where we will both be showcasing our artwork. And she is a jeweler and she also knits um, clothing for puppies. For puppies. <laughs> that's great. What about your siblings? Are they artists? Is it an entire artistic family? They're all really creative in yeah. different ways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my sister is a collage artist. She also makes earrings. My That's Olivia, my brother. Zach draws like really creepy things from the dark depths of his mind that are also kind of cute at the same time. Um, and my older brother is just like, an incredible carpenter and he does a lot of like really like incredible fine woodwork and he restored an entire bus and lived in it over the pandemic outside of my house which would be sweet to live in his bus during the zombie apocalypse yeah. um unless all the windows got broken so maybe not, but, <laughs> um so yeah lots of creativity flowing we all have a good time when we're together so it sounds like there was never a time in in your childhood or in your life where your family might have said, you know, stop it with this stuff and do something. I mean, there's just a tiny period where my dad was a little hesitant about me going to school for art. Mm -hmm. You know, he just couldn't envision my future being successful financially. And I get that, but like, I had no give. Like, I was 100% going to do it no matter what. So he, at least you were going to. Have a degree of some kind. Yeah, though, he was you know? really happy yeah. when I found the art business degree. And I, you know, he probably had a pretty good influence on me starting to look for that. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, number three. Yeah. So number three album, we've got Alabama Shakes Sound and Color. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Outside the window, beautiful and strange. Brittany Lots of Howard that, is that like you wanna, that could fill the cabin. Yeah, I know you interviewed her. And I don't know. If oh I, yeah, I, did. I, I think I did read that. part of that interview. But um, one of the most incredible female vocalists that I've ever experienced. Sound and color is like an all enveloping sound experience. And um, the Alabama Shakes, the band is currently on a hiatus, but I guess it would be anyways if it was a zombie apocalypse. So right. that doesn't really matter. Um, 
And even though the band is really talented, I think like Brittany Howard definitely was like made the band. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of the band members weren't like as into it as she was really. So she's kind of doing her her own solo project right now. Mm -hmm. But she just has like a really tragic um, background and upbringing. Um, And so you can hear... Her sister passed away. Yeah, her sister passed away from ocular cancer when she was really young. And Brittany actually had some of the beginning stages of ocular cancer Mm -hmm. and lost sight in one of her eyes. But um, so just I just feel like you can hear the soul and the the life's difficulties through her voice. And she just shares her passion and pain so beautifully. And um, I think that would be an incredible journey to go on in my cabin all alone and you know I would probably be like crying on the floor while I listened to it um but to me her voice is almost like a musical instrument itself on that album and in a lot of her current stuff too but like pretty incredible there's uh it's like turbulent music there's a song called dunes on the album sound and color and um it feels like almost like a lyrical mental breakdown as you get towards the end of the song. Like she's going crazy. Um, she's actually saying the words like I'm losing it at the end just over and over. So <laughs> to me, it's like, yeah, that that would be happening to me if if I knew the world was coming to an end. It was just me out there. <laughs> Do you feel like um, art is a place where you can completely fall apart, lose yourself? Yeah, definitely. Or... I guess I would describe it more so as it lifts me up. Um, I'm a pretty positive person, so I'm making it sound like I have all these issues through music, but music kind of gives me this experience that maybe hasn't actually happened to me. I don't know. It it lets me, you know, when you were a teenager and you listened to a song and you you felt like you had your heart broken into a million pieces, but you never had your heart broken before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the song made you cry anyway. It's like, that's kind of how most music makes me feel like I I love a deeply passionate experience that makes me feel like I've lived a thousand lifetimes so um but when I make art it's almost it's a therapy for me it it, it's not like losing it it's like lifting me back up into a space letting me feel a release I think that's kind of how the process is for me at least what would you say to a young person who is is maybe listening to this and and thinks I, I like to make art but I don't know how to go from liking this experience of making art to not having to do anything else with my life and and making it my career Yeah I'd say I never understood that you know, the more you did art and by giving it time and space while you created your style, I never knew in the beginning that your style would naturally unfold if you just kept going at it, you know. And and it's really hard to figure out what medium you want to express yourself in. And I think it's really smart to to try so many different mediums until like that spark really happens. Uh, I've literally created in every single format possible. I was a 3D sculpture artist and I mm. sewed sculpture and created woodworking sculpture and just, it feels phenomenal to have those skills. And I think becoming an artist and finding your voice as an artist is, um, you're creating such a wide variety of skill set for yourself through that process. So I guess just I would tell them, you know, to to keep going. And there's going to be a day where you sit back and you say, holy shit, this is my style. Mm-hmm. Like I, this is different than other people's. And it might not necessarily be you who sees that you created the style. It might be your critics and the people around you. Um, but not if you're alone in a cabin, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, just just keep working at it. Did I answer your question? Yeah, that was a great okay. answer for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay, 
Number four choice. Oh, this one is so near and dear to me, nostalgic-wise. So Wings, Paul McCartney's band from the 80s. Yeah. Um, obviously, I have, well, not obviously, but I'm telling you now that I have a deep-rooted passion for the Beatles. But I've listened to them so much and so extensively. Every piece of music that they have to offer i've eaten it up already Mm -hmm. that i'm a little tired of the process um but wings just has like this innocent nostalgia to me that it will always feel very important to me um so wingspan history and hits so it's a hits album because it's still an album it was really hard to there's like 40 songs on there but it's funny because this album still doesn't include my favorite wing song What's that? Um, which is Arrow Through Me. I don't know that one. Ooh, baby, you couldn't have done a worse thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> you heard that one before. There's, it's about them shooting an arrow through their heart, basically. But it's one of my siblings and I's favorite song, and we all like still jam out to it when we get together. Um, so anyways, like there are a lot of really good songs still on the History and Hits album. There's like... The Pipes of Peace, and Mole of Kintyre. So they're all like s- songs that are super reminiscent of my mom's Scottish upbringing mm. for some reason, you know, the British kind of component to yeah. it. Um, and my parents collectively loved the, these albums, these wing albums. So the album cover is like, you've probably seen this before. Yeah. Um, by the way, this is a really rare album, and I don't own it. It's really hard to come by. It's like $250, but... Someday I'll have it. I keep looking at estate sales to find it. But it's this, it almost looks like thermal imaging right, on the right, front. Exactly. It's two hands, but it's really psychedelic. And the hands look like wings. And um, it's just, like, really hopeful. Um, so my dad, he would put this album on when I was, like, seven years old, maybe even younger, and then upward. Um, but I remember seeing him in our living room in the first house we lived in. Um, and it was, like... This living room that had um, wooden bookshelves lining the walls that were built into it with just like records and books and a fish tank. And the fish tank was like an epic thing for all of us. It's how we learned about life and death. And um, I can imagine my dad pulling the album out and setting it up on the shelf, you know, like it was this super iconic, important thing to him. Like, you know, he would always tilt the album upright that he was playing Mm -hmm. just to kind of you know, show that that was on the, almost like how Spotify should I see the album cover. Right. Like, I love that component of Spotify. Um, I love being able to connect the artist's album artwork to the song when I'm listening to it. So that, you know, that is like the new age form of setting your album up near the record player. So, um, you know, he would turn that on and we would all just like dance around like little freaks in the living room and it's really like gentle music. It's kind of sappy, heartfelt, almost a little like weird 80s synthy stuff happening in it too, but still like musically simplistic. But, you know, everyone knows Paul McCartney has a way with taking like the most simple chords and turning them into all the intriguing things that he can find. Um, I've seen Paul McCartney perform with my dad, and we saw him play. Hey Jude live and we were both just like crying and holding each other and it was just like such a special experience so so much nostalgia in this album so I picked it for comfort the question is usually would you rather the entire Stones catalog or the entire Beatles catalog but you would say neither you'd want wings (laughs) (laughs) so that's great everybody loves Band on the Run and and Jet and uh, yeah. Magneto. There's a song called Magneto. I think they're just, Yeah. I think there's a liveliness to that album. It just makes you feel spunky and optimistic. Um, and it's not as simple, simplified as a lot of the Beatles songs, except when they got into like Sgt. Pepper's and Yellow Submarine. Those got like really trippy and mm-hmm. abstracted. But before that, you know, everything was super simplistic, like, oh, you love me, you don't love me, right. you gotta love me, I'm gonna lose you. So, um, I don't know. I think, yeah, the, the Wings songs are like life experiential, mm-hmm. which 
I like to feel. Okay, so there is a, you know, overarching or at least connecting theme in the life and art of Lexi Baker, and that is this psychedelic word. So maybe could you talk about that in a, a, a safe for work type way? Like yeah. what? Like what is it about a psychedelia, whether it's our psychedelic art or psychedelics themselves, um, you know, that has had such a profound and lasting impact on Totally. Well, thank goodness for psychedelics and the expansion of people's minds because life would have been so boring if it had stopped in the 50s. (laughs) And I think, like, that was the explosion of creativity Um, and incorporating that aesthetic into my artwork, I guess, just kind of happened as a natural progression. You know, it started with the Schmidt heads back in good old Lawrence, Kansas, and, you know, my three siblings exploring what (laughs) psychedelics have to offer Mm -hmm. us as human beings and transporting us into another realm and realizing that you know, we've got these five senses, but maybe we have more senses. And and seeing into the window that all of these musicians and artists that we admired got to see into and stepping into that new realm and seeing what life was like from that new platform. And once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. So... <laughs> it's just a natural component of us now and you know when when I made the title Psychedelicious um, for my art business it wasn't necessarily that I'm like drug crazy and that I do every psychedelic like I definitely don't Um, I'd say that I'm a mushroom leaning natural kind of gal (laughs) and I don't really like losing my mind I I like keeping myself in just like this perfect cusp of entering into a new realm whilst holding onto my being um, and keeping myself in reality so that I can just have a little taste of what the other world is like and the influences it might have on my creative experience or just uh, to give me a new way of looking at things that I might not have seen before. And um, I think that also, like, you know, my dad grew up kind of in the hippie era, and he he had a huge influence on us with his music. And I also um, had, like, an insane 16-year-old life. I got really into metal hair bands, well, like 60s, 70s kind of, and saw like Journey and Sticks and Ario Speedwagon Live and Chicago, Earth, Wind and Fire, Boston, Peter Frampton, Def Leppard, like all these bands. Just my friend and I, we were 16, we were teeny boppers, but we like knew that this was something that we wanted to tap into. And all the girls our age, you know, were like hardcore Britney Spears, Backstreet mm. Boys kind of fans. And we were like going down this really weird avenue and the Beatles and so just listening to the music alone without having experienced psychedelics like you already get a little taste of that drive you you get like a secondhand experience from these musicians yeah um the Beatles especially like the when Ravi Shankar was introduced into music I actually saw Ravi Shankar live and um in the third row and it was just life altering I was 18 and um it was right before he died and I think it was really cool I guess it almost feels like the Beatles kind of commandeered that aesthetic in their music but that was before we all began understood what cultural (laughs) appropriation was and Mm -hmm. you know it's it, it is there was a huge appreciation for the musical talent that they had and that's why they brought him in the first place and I think it was just really cool to experience that combined with the psychedelic version of music um this actually would technically segue well into my final album if this is of interest to you go for it (laughs) so 
my final album choice is Kurungbin. Kurungabin. I'm not going to try to spell that on my list right here. It means, I can spell it for you, I spell it all the time. It basically translates in Thai to airplane. And I think they chose that maybe for the transporting and the flying component, but um, The Universe Smiles Upon You is the album that I would choose of theirs. And it is their first album, their 2015 introductory album um so i just felt like the title alone was a great message for when you're in need of hope and the record cover is a a circle of like a rainbow cosmic aurora borealis aesthetic it's like a window into the universe and it has one shooting meteor and a mountainscape and meteors are like kind of an iconic thing in my life it's i uh I feel like that will be like the hope that I'll get to experience during the apocalypse when I'm alone is getting to see these like celestial events occurring in the universe. Yeah. I mean, especially if you were in the mountains in Colorado. Yeah. And I know like the timing of certain meteor showers and everything that I try and catch every year. And, um, that's where I will be looking is up. Um, but I discovered Kurungbin in underground Portland, uh, Portland bar in 2015 when they first started touring and I've seen them four times now and they have really incredible live performances and they've really exploded in popularity. It's a three piece band, um, from all originating in Texas. Their most recent record was with Leon Bridges, right? Yeah. And love Leon Bridges as well. Um, love the influence he's had and their music and vice versa. Um, their music could be described as like groove heavy, heavily inspired by Thai rock and funk and from the 60s and 70s, as well as like a surf rock and an Iranian pop. It's a melting pot for sure. You can really hear the Iranian pop once you hear that word. And the the surf rock is how I would have described them originally. But um, this would be kind of like my dance album, like my personal groove album. Maybe you can make the zombies dance too. Yeah, totally. Or um, playing all these albums is going to, probably attract them which is dangerous so i see what you're you're trying to do to us (laughs) you're trying to get them to leave your cabin and come to our cabins (laughs) (laughs) okay so last question is one item if you could take one item with you that you can carry on your back while you're escaping from denver and going up to Hmm. you know this one's good i i created a um an emergency box. Um, I forget what the catalyst to, for creating this was, but I was just, I think there was some sort of natural disaster that happened, like fires in Portland or something that I was like, we need to have this um, emergency box with like everything in it that you might need to survive for like three days minimum. Yeah. Um, but I know I can't take that whole box with me. You can't so. carry it's too heavy? I can take this That's one. An item? That can be my I'm one not item. Say no. I literally like could run to the garage and grab this box. And probably one of the most important items in there is my glasses because <laughs> my eyesight is terrible, and I wear contacts. And if I had to, you know, these contacts are gonna like turn into rubbish after a week, and I would need these glasses to survive. Like that's an immediate death if I don't have glasses. So. That and the dog food that's in there is like some of the most important things. (laughs) So, Lexi Baker, thank you so much for being here. And um, uh, remind us one more time where if if people were going to find you and your art, what's the best place to go? Yeah. Um, My favorite mode is Instagram. I just feel like it's a great platform for artists still. So it's psychedelicious.lex. And you can also find a Facebook page if you can't track down the Instagram account because it is hard to spell, but I really still like the name even though people have a hard time spelling it. And um, you can also find me on Twitter at Lexadelicious. Sweet. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. It's such an honor, Adam.
maybe another hour then I gotta run I gotta fly away Lexi Baker that was fun psychedelicious.lex on Instagram lots to check out there and even purchase from her uh, thanks for listening to Mile High Stash um, I'm gonna try and do an episode of this every week as long as I can um, make sure to follow us on Spotify Apple Podcasts or even just go to milehighstash.com I also love hearing from people with comments complaints requests for guests whatever so um, get in touch you can email milehighstash at gmail.com Stay warm out there, and we'll talk soon. No, you think you're on a crusade. You got a world to save. It's hanging by a thread. No, you think you gotta be brave. But there's nothing but a slave inside your